Hello, church. Welcome to the FUMC Borough Podcast. I'm Ben Shaw, the Director of Modern Worship and Media. As we continue to work back to a normal weekly schedule, I do want to remind you about some of the changes we've had to our Sunday morning schedule. Our modern worship service is now at 8.30 a.m., both in person and online, and our traditional worship service is now at 10.30 a.m., both in person and online. At this time, we are still asking everyone to pre-register for the services, so head on over to our website, fumcm.org register, to do that before Sunday morning. Also, our Family Life Ministry is hosting a fun event called Chalk the Church. On Saturday, October the 4th, we are inviting families to come out and decorate the church parking lot with sidewalk chalk. We will provide it, so don't worry about having to bring it. And we'll also have four food trucks there that you'll be able to purchase food from. We will have ML Rose, Fatty Maddie's Pizza, Flames Hot Chicken and Fish, and Sweets Treats. There are two sessions available from 10.30 a.m. to noon and from 12.30 to 2 p.m. You can find the registration for this event at our website, fumcm.org slash register. We are so glad that you have chosen to be in ministry here with us at First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And we pray that we can all live into our mission of growing disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. Now, here is one of our associate pastors, Reverend Chrysalyn Durham, as she brings us a message from the book of Matthew entitled, Another Question, Another Parable. Hear these words from Matthew 21, verses 23 through 32. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I will go. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God out of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, 
Thanks be to God. When I was in seminary, I worked as a youth minister in Cookville, Tennessee. I found it very helpful to both work and be in school at the same time because I was able to attempt to put into practice what I was learning in class. The other thing that I found helpful is that my senior pastor at the time enjoyed having theological conversations. So when I was struggling with a concept or just needed to ask a question, he and I would talk through it. What I found, though, was that every time I would ask a question, especially if it was a theological question, one that had been debated by scholars for centuries, he would look at me, looking like he was really mulling the question over preparing me for something really profound to come out of his mouth. And then he would say, well, what do you think? <laughs> it's probably one of the most irritating things when you ask a question and receive a question in return. For one second, you think that you are putting this in their court, and then they send it right back to yours, inviting you to take your own guess at a question. However, what if you were asking the question not because you needed or sought an answer, but because you were trying to trick the person into answering the question? This is where we find ourselves this morning in our scripture. A question being asked to turn those listening against the one who is speaking and causing havoc for those in power. Throughout the book of Matthew, Jesus has been given authority in somewhat very unusual ways, especially when it comes to the temple. People listen to him. They come to him. They follow him. They even seek him out. But he has also been given the authority that comes from the divine, God's self the authority to heal and release the demons that are within another. Jesus also seems to stir quite a bit of trouble wherever he goes, typically in the name of justice. But the interaction in chapter 21 between Jesus and the religious authority caused a lot of frustration, and it likely moved Jesus closer to his what was thought to be his final destination, the cross. At this point in chapter 21, Jesus entered into Jerusalem on a donkey as people praised his name saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Then he moves to the temple where he does something that seems unprecedented and probably felt like an outrageous spectacle from those in authority in the temple. He turned over tables and called those who were selling sacrifices and, and different needs for the sacrifices a den of robbers. And before he left the temple that day, he took time to heal those who had come to him. It is very likely that those in positions of power may have been saying, who does he think he is? Wouldn't you? So by the time that we find Jesus in the temple for his last time before his death, 
There is a frustration that exists amongst the chief priest wanting to know who this man is and by what authority he comes from. This is not an easy task. They know that this has to be handled very delicately because he has grown a large gathering of loyal supporters over time. So they make a risky move by asking a question that seems like a really good risk because they couldn't lose, right? He had to answer the question. So they asked him, By what authority are you doing these things? They ask this question because they know that it could cause quite a bit of damage for Jesus depending on how he answers it. The chief priests already knew where they got their authority. It had been given to them by those who came before them from God. In the words of Catherine D. Blanchard, for Jesus to say, by God's authority, would be to offer an answer easily refuted on traditional and biblical terms. Meaning for Jesus to respond by saying, I am divine, would not have been received well by those who gathered around him. But rather than answering the question outright, I can see Jesus looking at those who questioned his authority, looking like he is mulling over the question that they asked, and then opening his mouth and saying, I will ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. He answers a question with a question. He goes on to ask them about the baptism of John and whether it came from heaven or human origin. The interesting part of what happens next is that the religious authority had to answer the question. They began this conversation by trying to trap Jesus and ultimately what they did was trap themselves. As scripture shows us, if they answered by human origin, there was a concern about the crowd because they followed John. But if they answered from heaven, the question would be asked of them why they didn't believe. After they answer the question with, I don't know, Jesus puts forth a parable. Throughout his ministry, we find how important parables are to the teachings of Jesus and to those who heard them. Amy Jo Levine writes, Jesus knew that the best teaching comes from stories with memorable characters who are both familiar and strange, who play upon our stereotypes even as they confront them. Parables are designed to open us up to the possibility of seeing something differently. They challenge what we know and encourage us to accept the invitation to look beyond, sometimes even beyond ourselves, and what we have made ourselves to be. Jesus affirms John's baptism as given by God, and in many ways puts those in power in their place by responding to them with a parable. He speaks of two sons, one whom the father asks to go and work in the field, says no, but then goes and works anyway. And then the second, whom the father has also asked to go and work in the field, says yes, 
but then does nothing. Then he asks them another question. Which of the two did the will of the Father? What is interesting here is that while Jesus did something typical and taught through a parable, it is unusual for him to give an answer that's so obvious. Jesus often leaves the ending very open so that those who are listening can come to their own conclusions. And while he does give them time to discern for themselves what the answer might be, the answer here is quite clear. They answer the question. It's a given. The one who said no, but went to work in the field, of course. Jesus affirms these words by taking it a step further, filling in the blanks about who the no son is and who the yes son is by saying, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your mind and believe him. While the conversation of authority would continue for many more verses, what we find here is a reminder to those who give lip service to following God and take it no further. The one who said all the right prayers, typically for everyone to see, acted the right way, spoke of all the right things that they did, but in their heart of hearts were simply saying these things without actually living into them. He was saying that they, who were supposedly the religious elite whom God has had favor upon by granting them the authority that they had received, would be surpassed by those who may not have done or said the right things at moments or who truly came to believe and to a faith in God that Jesus was showing them. A God who ate with sinners, cared for the lonely, healed the sick, and took time to rest. A God who welcomed them with open arms, even in their imperfections and pain. A God who seemingly was turning the world upside down and changing what it meant to love God and to love people, something those in power were pushing up against at every turn. Ultimately, what it comes down to in this text is the concept of action versus word. One can say a lot of things, but it is in doing that we find where the heart truly lies. The other side of the coin is, though, that the one who said no offered a heart of repentance when he changed his mind. Whereas the one who said yes did nothing offered a heart of hypocrisy in his unwillingness to see what was happening. Those who approached Jesus with that unwillingness to believe spoke of belief and new power among the society of people who gathered. But it would be those who listened, who were considered the lowly and unlikely in the society, who would actually do the work in furthering the kingdom of God on earth. Some of you may have realized that today, 
we were supposed to celebrate our 200th anniversary. 200 years this church has been in this community. I have only been here for three years, but I know that over those 200 years, we have seen those who have lived out their faith, living into this idea that Jesus taught us of loving God with everything that we have and loving our neighbor as ourselves, offering ourselves in numerous ways for the furthering of the kingdom of God. They took time to live into what they believed and quite honestly made those around them stronger for the faith that they had. But I also guarantee you that there have been some who have been so good with their words saying, yes, God, I will do this. And then turn around and do not live into what God has asked or called them to do. I would venture to say that in the next 200 years, we will find the same. Some who say no and have a change of heart and some who say yes and never actually respond. In her perspective of this text, one of the questions that Charlotte Cleghorn asks is what if we were to ask ourselves about our own resistance to change to being transformed. While this text puts those in positions of power who have chosen to resist wholeheartedly to this new understanding of faith and even God, this text still offers hope, saying it's not too late to be transformed by Jesus's words and life. So I want to ask you, that same question. What if we were to ask ourselves about our own resistance to change, to being transformed by this faith in God? How would we respond? Would we say no and then allow ourselves to be moved, to be challenged, to be changed? Or would we say yes and do nothing but resist? something to think about. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, may the people of God say, Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like more information about how to get involved here at FUMC, you can find us online at fumcm.org or by searching FUMC Borough on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Have a great week.